Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Circuit Riders podcast, and we are continuing from last time, guys, where we shared this dream. And let's just tell the dream real shortly as we jump into this. We're jumping right into this. I'm with Doug Rutledge from Crossroads Farm. Good Michael, day. Yeah, Michael Little <laughs> from Small Town USA Vineyard Movement. Yep. Steve McVeigh, Dirt Rose Network. So we we have this dream that God would lead us to a county that is like the rural 1040 window, that it's like uh, the religious adherence, like the artists, you know, just shows the art of research shows that it's like not a lot of Christians here. And we have multiple denominations ministering together in multiple cooperatives, a cooperative youth ministry. Some churches going through revitalization and then planting churches in those small communities in that county that don't have a life-giving, Bible-believing, community-transforming church. And we, we've talked about how there's a difference between a dreamer and a visionary. And Doug, you had mentioned that there's this huge difference, and a visionary is the one who sees the impossibility of the dream, but has a plan. Right? Yeah, the work necessary to make that happen. I, I think that that's maybe the greatest difference. A lot of dreamers out there, very few people are willing to buy into the work necessary. So what is the work? What would, like, if God gave us this county, what would need to happen in order for that to happen? I don't know. And I love what, what Doug, you said about, about uh, when you hear certain visions, like it makes your, you know, you hear, you hear, yeah. your ears so, right. so literally yeah. when I get talking about this, I begin to tingle all the time. Okay, this is what God wants. So what would the work be, guys? What, like, what are the impossibilities involved in an entire county being claimed for Jesus. So when Crossroads launched, we had to do the work and figure it out as we went uh -huh. uh, because we were a collective outsourced youth ministry. And at first, everybody bought in because, again, everybody knows we're not very good at youth ministry except for the one church that has 20 kids and says we're saving the world. And, I, you know, and I'm not demeaning that. I'm just saying that's not enough. If you have a, a student population of 4,000 and you have 20 in a youth group, most are lost and going to hell. And that's just calling it what it is. <laughs> so for us to come in and say, we can do this better together, people were open to that, but they wanted to retain turf. And I think the first battle that you do is not over theological difference, but over turf difference. So this is our school. Th these are our kids. We don't like our kids hanging out with your kids. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a major thing. The second hurdle was we're not sure we want our godly kids hanging out with those bad kids that you're going to win to Jesus. And I'm like, have you hung out with your kids? Apparently not. 
those those people are afraid they're going to start hanging out with your kids and start acting like you. And I, you know, so so there were these turf wars, these little turf wars, and the insecurity of the volunteer youth worker who now sees himself as obsolete. And I think pastors see that too. Oh, absolutely. You come into a community, so let's talk about the model again, the triad or what, you know, so three new church plants come in and they say, we want to be a part of this community with you. There's an arrogance that says, we've been here forever. Don't step on our turf. Oh, yeah. Now you got to go, oh, well, yeah, but how's that working for you? You got eight people. How's that working? Yeah, tribalism, survivalist, all that kind of, all that comes out. So when I came to Bunker Church here in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, I went to a pastor's meeting. And um, I was the youngest guy there at the time. So it was a bunch of people quite a bit older. And their biggest freak out was, why do we need another church? That's the question you're going to even get, even in a church like that. Why do we have enough churches already? People can come to the ones we already have. And but they're not. But they're not. That was point. But they're not. And the second thing is, is well, what what do you what do you do with our flock? Yeah. And I think the premise that we're saying here, and I said in that meeting, is I don't want any of your people. I think as you start with like part of the turf war issues, letting them know we're not interested in your people. Because by the way, no offense, nobody wants your people. That's why they're there. Right, right. Oh, well, now that's pretty hard, Michael, but... Well, no, no, I mean in a bad way. I mean, but the yes. reality is they're there for a reason. No one's out recruiting your people. Because yeah. the, the, reality, the reality is this, is they bond your home and they love your home. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and it'd, be like, it'd be like me walking to your house saying, I'm going to recruit your, your kids to come and be in my family. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. And, and so what we need to talk about is I'm interested in the people that are, aren't going there. So we have to break down the competition... And then we've enjoyed what the Lions and the Packers, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, so we don't talk about Kansas City at all because they're. <laughs> I don't talk about it. We don't talk about anybody. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's so you guys much. Are Jets. You're, you're not boycotting the NFL? No, so, okay. So, so, I'm so, just curious. So, so, anyways, we have to find a way to say this isn't. We have to re, reconform wins yeah. and reconform our opponent. And so, and, I, and I'll finish this thought and, and head into this because here's what I'm thinking. I think what the, the win is anybody that we connect into Christ and that we lead through discipleship the walk of Jesus. That's right. the win. Right. Like, that's the win. The competition, our point, isn't other churches. We're right. all on the same stinking team. Right. That's my point of this. Like, yeah, yeah. And so the, the idea becomes, I said, my opponent's the enemy, which is Satan. And, and we have a hard time admitting that in, in the American Christian world. Yeah. It's easier in a third world country to talk about Satan. It's just, we have this awkward conversation. Yeah. And so my opponent is no longer... The Converged Church down the street, or the Wesleyan Church, or the Presbyterian Church, or even another vineyard church. Because I've seen other vineyards where you're coming too close to my vineyard church. The reality is, is we're not in competition with each other. Right. Our opponent is safe. But small towns, and I don't want to cut you off, Doug. But but no. small towns, small small towns have this this um, turf mentality yeah, outside absolutely. of the, you know forget church. Just so. We're in a town of 28. We're in between two small towns. I'm going to tell the story, and then I'm going to get um, some feedback from because people will actually know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> but, but so we did a uh, Lamont Wesleyan Church did a uh, church in the park in a town that was 10 miles from us because we have lots of people from that town that drive over, and so you know we're doing all outside and all this kind of stuff. And so we rented out the community center in the park, and there's this LED sign, okay, that they have out there. And that LED sign doesn't have stuff about church most of the time on it, okay? So we, we you know, we're going to do our outdoor service, you know, all this stuff. We set it up. 
whoever has control of that sign decides to put up the church times of the two churches that are in that town of 400. Mm -hmm. So as we're meeting, the, the sign is flashing. Hey, the UMC church meets at 1030. The independent Christian church meets at 11. <laughs> and I, and I, told, I told one of our, our pastors, I said, this is what we call a rural welcome. But the, uh, and, and I, I respect that. There's a reason for that. I mean, small rural towns are under attack. I mean, we're losing people, you know, and so there's some, something to be said there. But here's what I see is the number one missing element in the average rural church. And that is a brokenness mm -hmm. for the lostness of their community. Yes. And so I, I cannot overcome tribalism and turf wars mm -hmm. just by pontificating about how, well, hey, we have to love one another and all right. this good stuff. Until I am so broken at the lostness of my community, of our county, I am not going to be able to lay down those articles, you know, because like survival mentality is about me, my congregation, right. And, right. and whereas a pastor, my insecurities, am I a good pastor? Are you in faith? You know, all that kind of stuff. If I'm not broken for my community, I'm going to cling on to those things. But when I get so broken for my community that I don't care anymore. That's when God can The old prophet in Bethel. You remember the story, right? The old prophet in Bethel. I come into So the young prophet is given a message that the old prophet has not delivered to the king. The old, and the young prophet comes into town and delivers the message. He's told not to turn aside, not to even eat in that town. And the old prophet says, no, no, but I know better. I've been here longer. I've heard from God. And as a result, the, the next prophecy that the old prophet gets, probably the first prophecy in forever that he gets, is you're, you're going to die on the way home. And I think that there is a reality here that we have to embrace as well. We are not entitled to God's blessing. If I've been in a community for 500 years, I am not entitled to God's presence. I beg for God's presence. Right. I'm broken for God's presence. We have to approach very really and candidly that churches that are that have limited numbers of people haven't done anything to enhance the kingdom or to move the kingdom forward. So they are not operating in the power of the Spirit of God or else that church isn't dying. Yeah. So Sorry, I'm that preached. Well, that guys. preached to me and I was right? with you on that. So because Step I, it up, guys. I, so yeah. I, think, I think, you know, the question we have to ask ourselves then is what are we actually doing church for? Because yeah. that becomes a bigger question. And, and I think, I get that, Pastor. I get that. Like, you have that person in your church you're trying to survive you have like two or three givers that like carry everything yeah and you want to make changes and it's hard and then walks in this new fresh idea pastor you know with a planter who looks a little hipper than everybody else and wears skinny jeans man wears skinny not, jeans. not this church planter, well, but well the funny part was is i i didn't wear skinny jeans my jeans just get tight so they're not really skinny it's just because there's just weight on the body um and tell me that all the time it's my reality but I think what, what you're trying to stress is, once again, what is your purpose? Yeah. What is the purpose? What's, what is the true mission? What is the true vision of what we're trying to accomplish? Because I think implementation, like, like anything you say is a great idea, right? I yeah. want to lose weight. I want to lose weight for the last decade. And in, <laughs> implementation of that is like a very different idea than the vision of a skinny me. This, by the way, this is from the thinnest man at the table. Yes, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Well, this is very kind. It's, like, it's always a matter of comparison, right? But the reality, the reality, I would say, is like we really need to like ask ourselves, like, was it willing to take that step? Because when I hear this vision, 
I actually want to leave the podcast right now. So let's just go find the county. Let's start today. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I'm challenging people out here to say, like, what is that for them? And where, because in our heart, here's it just for what works for us. Yeah. But what does that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I love this, this concept, but not because it's a concept, but because it is a, it's a potential reality. Right. I mean, let's not waste time talking about it if we're not going to do it. I, I also think that those rural communities need to understand, and that sounds preachy and I don't want it to be, but a, a church that's been around for a, a while needs to understand what the value to them is going to be in the appearance. And I, I understand, look, you, you know, you're a little older, you've been here forever, people know you, you've married and buried half the town. You are invested at a different yes. level, in a, in a way that a young buck can't be invested, right? right? And so there needs to be a value of that church that's, that's maintained, held the post, and I think that that's valuable. But I also think to breathe revitalization in, we have to be able to say, this is what will happen. So uh, when we came in, one of, the, one of our ideals was we want to plant students in your church. Help us build those relationships. We use volunteers from the churches. They become our youth staff, our youth volunteers. And those volunteers know that they are to invite people back into their churches. But that's not an all things being equal scenario. You have cooler staff. You have cooler churches. You have churches that embrace new students far more effectively. I remember after uh, spending time with a pastor, he said, you know, you came in about five months ago and you said uh, that was your, your vision was to see kids come to our church. I'm wondering where they are. This guy felt entitled to students after five months but it wasn't even his investment. It was the investment of one of his volunteers, frankly, who wasn't all that invested either. I was incensed by it because I thought, how dare you come in and feel entitled to a lost student? That's the wrong principle. It's the wrong principle. It's the wrong principle. Once again, who's our opponent? What's our win? Yeah. Because the win isn't building your kingdom church. Right. The win is building God's kingdom. Yeah, it'll also take, though, it'll take a sense of mutual submission because yeah. sometimes yeah. church planters, like they're like the old church, like the church, so I'm, the old, I'm an old guy. We're all old guys. Okay, let's just, we're, we all like, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm the only one that's a grandpa, right? Are you a grandpa? Whoa, whoa, no. No, okay, so, no, 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 So I guess I'm the only one in the room. But there was a time when, when church planting literally was that young person who didn't like traditional church, wasn't willing to submit, so they brought a rebellious attitude right. to a church plant. The new church planting movement right now that includes micro churches and yes, some much larger, but it's it's really moving more and more towards co-vocational, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. This is a true acknowledgement that we're on a mission field now. Yeah. But what like if we do this and, and talk about obstacles, the people who are new, the church planters who come in, are gonna have to show respect to the existing churches understand their value. You have pastors that have been there 30 years that have, like you said, married, buried, have been there. Yeah. And and maybe they're not cool, but I'm telling you, they are the fabric of that culture. Oh, man. And so any move of God is going to require mutual submission. Mutual submission. And and sometimes as church planners, and I'll just speak as one I've been my whole life, I've sort of been a little bit of a rebel in my denomination maybe, but mutual submission is the key to God's mm-hmm. blessing here. 
so that that rural church that has been faithful, but maybe Doug hasn't, you know, has a sense of entitlement, maybe mm-hmm. there's been some inward focus, yeah. all that kind of stuff. I want, I want them to be revitalized, but I want the new, whoever's new to come in, to give them reverence and honor. So I, I have a story for that. So I started as a church planter. And to finish that story, I said, I'm not interested in the people. And we've actually been very blessed. Um, over 60% of our church in our town has been people converting, come, mm-hmm. come to our church. We've converted, and it's a high conversion rate sure. in this day and age. But I didn't realize this until about two years ago. We had a tragedy in our town where the, we had a Girl Scout accident, and four people died. We lost three Girl Scouts. Mm-hmm. It was a really sad moment. And all of a sudden, the pastors in the town were calling me. And I got to about the sixth call, and I'm like, why are you calling me? I'm not the biggest church in town. Right. I'm not even the most like longest tenured church in town. But the pastor said to me, you're the longest tenured pastor in this town. Hmm. And that was like over a 10-year span. Like people had retired in 10 years. I had become, actually 12 years, I had become the most tenured pastor in this town. And then I realized what the younger pastors were looking for me for. You know, like I had a pastor, a retired Presbyterian pastor, who was kind that always met with me. I'm sure I didn't speak any of his language. I'm sure it was incredibly cocky. I'm, you know, I think back to it, like, I, I'm so sorry, Barry. I hope you still love me, brother. Thank you for putting up with a young, foolish pastor for like five years and guiding him through things in this community. Right. But I'm realizing now it's an investment in it both ways. So like, so for the young pastors, submit and learn from what they know about their about that church, about that community. Yeah. And as an older pastor, listen to what you have. You have wisdom to share and what you can learn. If we're always in, so humility is always a, a position of learning. And when I realized I was the most senior pastor, what I started doing is reaching out to the young pastors and saying, let's have coffee. Let's go, out. you know, pre-COVID. Let's have coffee. Let's hang out. Right. And, and they were like picking my brain. And, and actually one of them who's got a way bigger church than I in this town yeah. introduced me. And he has like a little mini podcast. And it was a Tuesday morning just for a local area. He had me on there. And he introduced me as his mentor. And I'm like, I had no clue I was his mentor. And it was just kind of a scary thought personally in my own life. I was like, it kind of scared me. I really think the, the matter that we have to talk about is if we can have a position of a learner, but as we move into that, we can show the value of like, hey, Doug, you're, you, you've been around this church, you've been in this town for 30 years, but I, I have some things maybe I can share with you that would help you just support your staff. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and then vice versa. And if we have that learner position, mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard in turf wars, but if you're coming like with an offer, not entitlement, if you're willing to work and empower, because I always, I always tell our leaders here, the number one rule in our, our church here is a leader is you have to be teachable. Yeah. And if you're not teachable, I... I, I don't care how gifted you are. I won't deal with you because right. teachability matters. As we move into a community, I think the big thing we're talking about is what do we look like when it comes to like pastoral training? What does it look like when it comes to shared resources? I think this is – so I think we should continue this conversation uh, to the next podcast and just keep on going with it. Yeah. Uh, but I do hear cows in the background. They're coming yes. home. I, I, so let me just uh, tag the end this way. Uh, I'd love to hear the three things that you think a newcomer into a community, a spiritual leader who comes into a new community, needs to bring. So what are the three? Uh, Steve, I want to hear that from you, and maybe that's how we close this. What are the three things that, that you know, that... Do you want to hear from Michael? you want to hear from me? Do you want to hear, like, I Michael, hear, the real expert? I want, to hear, I, want to hear, I want to hear the top three things that you think... You're coming into a community, into a rural community, because this is a rural podcast about rural places. Yes. You're coming in. What are the three characteristics, the three critical uh, um, character pieces that I have to bring with me to, to oh see my. God uh, and, move? And right? I'm trying to put this in the context of like what we're talking about here, a cooperative, take on a county type thing. And, and so I would say... 
the, well, the first thing you have to have is humility. I mean, in that mutual submission thing, you there's just no room for cocky pastors in a rural mission field. I'm sorry, no, there just isn't. Is. Yep. Not not unless your goal, like there's there's this concept out there, you know, big church and small places. And I'm I've been that. I know what that's about. And I think there's some good in that, but there can also be a cockiness in it that doesn't it, it immediately triggers all the things that we've talked about. It mm-hmm. triggers the tribalism, the survivalist, yes. all that kind of stuff. Yes. And you begin to think, I mean, there was a time when I would say that my attitude when I, you know, when we had this huge explosion of growth, you know, like, hey, we've got church figured out. And the reason that your people are coming over here is because we're doing it right. And there's just no room for that. So humility yes. and then um, security. Like, you have to be a secure person. And I think we should do a whole podcast on this, this sometime about the secure, per, the person who has good self-esteem. Mm. You cannot be going in there for, like, to build your self-esteem. Right. You, know, you have to, and that's sort of akin to humility, mm. but then a willingness to truly exegete where you are. You know, like, if you if you are a missionary, mm-hmm. like, you would not go to Africa without learning the language, learning the history, all that kind of stuff. You... You better know, you better, before you start changing things, before you come in with all your great ideas, you better know that town, know that, that village, know the, the rural countryside and what's behind it. And, and I'm sure there's other things, yeah. but that humility, a good self-esteem, and a willingness to learn that, I, I think that's right at the beginning. I think we pick that up when we come back in, but I want to hear Mike's three. Oh, oh gee. I was going to say yes and amen to history. But I, I would say the, the one thing in my heart would, would be is a love for your community. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 if you don't like where you're at, it shows up. <laughs> like oh if, you're, goodness, if yes. you're miserable where you're at, it, it's just like the worst thing. I've seen it in pastors over and over. And two is an expectations game. Mm-hmm. So the characteristic has to be, not even humility, it's the understanding that God is in charge and he's in control and he's the one leading this, not me, not my gifting, and I'm going to defer to that. And the third thing that I'd say incredibly for authors is you need to learn forbearance or patience mm-hmm. because yeah. it's the slow road. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talk about, I tell my pastors that go to rural towns, it really screwed up because we came out of an urban movement that mm-hmm. did. And I said, no, it's the slow road. It's, it's not what's going to happen in six months. What has to happen in a year? It's going to happen in a decade. I, I tell, I tell my, I, my rural church planters this in our, in our movement. I'd say you overestimate what God is going to do in a year. And you underestimate what God's going to do in five years. Yeah, yeah. And it's a slow forbearance and patience. And if we can be patient, the fruit the fruit will happen. It's, it's, it's just, it's different fruit. It's not what we always look, but it's got to be that patience. Yeah. And so, Doug, you bring tremendous experience, yes. too. And you're going to wrap this up. But So you've heard six things, and, and so you're sort of at a disadvantage here. I'm only going to ask you one or two. I mean, what, right. what would you add to what Michael and I just said, like, you're, you're, as we think about moving into a new rural area. Well, I have a couple, um, you know, but I think what you shared was critical. I think, number one, they need to bring grit. And um, I want to start the next podcast with the question, I know I landed in the middle of nowhere when. That's what I wanted to know, because that is the beginning of grit right there, where you're like, oh, this is not... It is Kansas. Yes. Um, this, this is Kansas. This is, this is, I represent right. Kansas. I resemble that. <laughs> so I think grit is undersold. Yes. When you yes. and when you come into a rural community, you'd better have some toughness. I mean, some emotional resilience, 
because you're going to get beaten on mercilessly and until you prove you're one of them. And that's the way that we do it in the country. Sort of beat you up until they're like, yeah, that guy can take a punch. I like him. Yeah. And that's a love language. It is. <laughs> Abuse it is. is a love language. It is. It totally and, is. and then I think the second thing uh, that I would say or add to this is a clear set vision of who you really are in mm. ministry. Oh, yeah. You need to be able to do what God has yes. enabled you to do and not try to do something you saw from a platform somewhere. Yeah. And, oh, and, and I, that's what I would say. So you come in yeah. ready to do what God's called you to do. And that ties directly back into the self-esteem, into humility, all of those things. Yep. If you don't have, it's almost like there's, there's a, a, it's, it's a multifaceted characteristic of a person who knows who they are. They're humble and they're called by God. They're broken for him. I mean, you just put it all together. Yeah. That is the, the type of pastors we need today. Well, listen, we're wrapping up. Thank you very much for listening to us today. Uh, next podcast, we're going to begin. What, what's the question we're going to begin with? Well, I, I knew I landed in the middle of nowhere when. Okay. Uh, oh, I know what I'm going to say. Thank you for joining <laughs> us today on the Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast. We will see you next time. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash SmallTownUSA Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.CrossroadsFarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.DirtRoadsNetwork.org Com. For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails. <laughs>